Hi everybody and welcome to Perek Yud, chapter 10 of Bereshit, our final one for the week. And thank you so much to Dobby and Yigal for their wonderful contributions the last two days. Perek Yud picks up after the story of Noah and tells us the generations, the genealogical list of all of the descendants of the children of Noah. It begins, These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Cham, and Yafet, and tells us of their children that are born to them after the flood. And then proceeds to go for an extremely long, the, the whole chapter is devoted to a genealogical list of these children. Uh, interestingly, it does it in reverse order of their age. We are always told that uh, Noah's children are Shem, Ham, the Yafet, but the chapter tells us the order of uh, their descendants um, in the opposite order, telling us first the children of Yafet, then of Canaan, who is the son of Ham, and only after that, that of Shem. Um, what are we to learn? from this long genealogy list. Firstly, that uh, Chazal, our sages' classical idea that there are 17 nations of the world comes from here. The 17 nations that populate the world after the flood, 14 of them are descendants of Yefet, who we read of. These are known as the Indo-European nations. 30 are the descendants of Ham, the African nations. And 26 of them are the descendants of Shem, which we know today as the Semitic nations, from whence the word anti-Semitic comes from, or pro-Semitic, if you if you like. These are the descendants of uh, Noah and his sons who fill the world afterwards. What are we to learn from it? Now, the first thing to note, of course, is that this is probably the least read chapter in Bereshit as a whole, or at least in the first half of Bereshit, it uh, has none of the narratives or stories that are so well known from without, and perhaps our natural tendency is to skip over these sorts of verses, and indeed one of the great benefits of a program of study such as our own is that we can't simply skip over it because we learn through each one. So what do we have to say about it? Firstly, that we are no longer talking about individuals. We've had two genealogy lists until now. Um, in the in the book, but they have only focused on individuals, on, for instance, the descendants of Cain and Lemech, which we have spoken about. Now we move into nations. This seems to be a critical turning point in the Tanakh, from a book of all humanity, in which God's purpose for humanity is ideally to be realized through a single individual, whether it be Adam or whether it be Noah. But clearly, this, this project has failed, whether with Adam's sin or Cain's murder of Hevel or the story at the end of the previous chapter with Ham and Canaan in reference to their father, Noah. And at this point, the Tanakh is moving to a world of nations and will, of course, focus on a specific nation because the next chapter is going to introduce us to Abraham. It's interesting to note that in Bereshit, 
there seems to be a pattern with the genealogy lists. That first we will tell the genealogy of the minor characters, as it were, before we can then move on to tell the story of the major characters. So, in Bereshit chapter 25, we will first tell the st- tell of the generations and descendants of Yishmael, before we can move on to talking about Yitzchak in chapter 26. In Bereshit chapter 36, Lamed Vav, we will tell of the descendants of Esav, before we can begin to tell the story of the descendants of Yaakov starting from Perik Lamed Zayin, chapter 37. So too in our chapter, that must be the reason why first we tell of the descendants of Yefet and Ham, and then towards the end of the chapter, we move on to talking about the descendants of Shem, from whence, of course, will descend Avraham. That's the first thing to learn. But I think there are also some more general things to learn which can actually give us a real insight into the Tanakh. Firstly, the emphasis right at the start of the chapter of the of the chapter that these are the generations of Noah told Hamabul. These are the children born after the flood. To have after the story of the destruction of the world, a whole chapter just speaking about the um, the childbirth and the the new members of the human race speaks to a huge optimism on the part of mankind that even after such a terrible moment mankind still have the desire to carry on living and to carry on populating the world that's the first thing to notice but the second thing to notice is that the Tanakh's central claim that all of the descendants of Noah, all of humankind, are really all the children of God. They are all human. Now this might sound obvious to us, but the majority of the cultures of the ancient world, most especially Egypt, understood only themselves as being created by God and understood all other humans as being either some sort of subhuman species more akin to the animals that's what the ancient greeks thought of their neighbors who didn't speak greek or as being created by the forces of evil which was the ancient egyptian view in contrast the tanakh even though it will focus on the descendants of abraham nevertheless says all of them are created every single nation is created by god and that seems to be a remarkable point to focus on Finally, we will just note that there is actually just one story in this chapter, and that is the story of Nimrod. In, Perik, in Pasuk Chet, verse 8, we read that Kush yalad et Nimrod. Kush gives birth to Nimrod. And who is Nimrod? He is the first one to be mighty in the land. And we are told, He was a mighty hunter, Lifnei Hashem, before God. Alken Ya'amer, thus as it said, Kedimrod, Gibor Tsayad, Lifnei Hashem. He was the first to have a great empire in Babel, and we are then told of the extent of the empire. In the text, of, it seems that he is quite a positive character. The idea of being before God, Lifnei Hashem, is emphasized. Chazal, our sages, however, understood in the Midrash that he is a much more problematic and negative character. They understand that he is the king who forces Avraham into the fiery furnace. I'll just point out and conclude with one interesting note. There is another character in Bereshit who is described as Sayyad, as a hunter, and that, of course, is Esav. In 
Perek Kafhei, chapter 25, we are told that Yitzchak's love for his son Esav is because ki tzayad b'fiv, there was, the hunt was in his mouth. And this parallel between Esav and Nimrod is a fascinating one. My teacher, Rav Yoel bin Nun, explained it as follows, that the reason why Yitzchak loves Esav is precisely because he sees in him somebody who can maintain the family claim to the land, somebody who will provide strength, somebody who will provide a future, a secure future for the family. Looking forward to continuing with everybody next week. Have a wonderful Shabbat.